This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Could we remain standing for a while? I just would like to thank the Lord so much for today and to bring greetings from Uganda in particular and East Africa in general. And I would also like before this great company of saints to just express my own and, of course, together with my dear wife, Christine, particularly and in general, the leaders in East Africa would like to appreciate Dr. Theo and Dr. Bev for accepting us as sons in the house. And for being there for us and for allowing God to use you in leading us to the level now where we are growing and looking forward to what uh, Dr. Torrance said, there is always more in Jesus. And just before we sit down, I wish also to say uh, that we are looking forward that there will be a day when uh, there will be a plane shooting into the sky and then settling and floating in the air in the northerly direction from Johannesburg Airport, traveling for about 2,900 kilometers, and aboard that plane, there will be two people, Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev, and I guess when that plane lands, it will be on the soil of the country that Winston Churchill said is the pearl of Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish to ask all of you to sit and then we proceed. It's amazing. I wondered why I would have to be among the speakers, but then the answer is simply grace. But grace is not random. Grace, ha grace has a pinpoint element with it. And that explains everything. We are talking about advancing, advancing no retreat. And I want to approach that theme from the perspective of no despairing of God's call. And I trust the Lord has blessed his word. You know, the call of God has its variance. It can be exciting or boring. It can be benefiting or harming. The call of God can be promising or upsetting. It may also be encouraging or discouraging. It can be fulfilling or frustrating. The call of God will be exciting, benefiting, promising, encouraging, and fulfilling as long as the child of God or the minister walks in faith and keeps his focus on the Lord. Just like Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says that we, we maintain our focus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But the call will be boring, harmful, upsetting, discouraging, and frustrating when we falter in our faith and start looking at the waves like Peter, relying on feelings instead of walking by faith. When faith in the one who has commissioned fails, it is possible to despair even of life itself. And I just want to to bring four scenarios. And to begin with, I want to bring the scenario of poverty or loss. A lot has been said about loss. 
And just I say, and I discovered I, I was talking, about, I was going to speak about loss a little bit, and there was the sink of the Holy Ghost in that. We begin with the, the scenario of loss, poverty or loss. And this Job, chapter 3, verse 1. After this Job, after this, Job opened his mouth and he cast the day of his birth. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, A male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it. Nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. We can read on and on. It is the same, it's the same message speaking that chapter. Now we look at this, and we see that Job was at the height of relentless losses. He had lost oxen in the southerns, sheep in the southerns, donkeys in the southerns. We would say he had lost all his wealth. We talk about net worth. He had lost all. He had lost seven sons, and he has lost three daughters. He had also lost a good relationship with his wife because of his faith. All hope seemed to be gone. There was no light seemingly at the end of the tunnel. He wished he had never been born. He cursed his birthday. He didn't curse God. He cursed his birthday. He vowed never to celebrate his birthday. He castigated those who spread the news of his birth. And he said they should never have done it. It was bleak. He wished at best that he, who, he would have been a stillbirth. This came because of human feelings of humiliation, loss of status, pain in the body, ache, and heart agony. When faith rises, then we begin to conquer all that bedeviled and all that confronted and brought so much Pain to Job. We sympathize with a man like Job who lived in his time. He lived probably before Abraham. And he didn't have what we have. He didn't even have the Ten Commandments that, that later were issued by Moses. Nothing like that was there. He depended, he depended entirely on general revelation. Knowing God exists just by watching in nature and the intricacies that we see in creation. And then you, you see the order in creation and say, I think there must be a God be, behind this. That's the revelation he had. And of course, the intermittent appearances of God to him, God would come talk to him. And that's all he depended on. So we sympathize with the man of his time if he should wish that he shouldn't have been born. In his faith, the Lord rose out of the little he knew and he sprang out of the desperation. How about us to whom the Lord has revealed so much? We have more revelation than Job and therefore we are able to spring out of desperation, despondency, 
depression and everything that wants to push us down. You just see this scenario that if faith conquers all desperation. Later on in chapter 23, verse 10, he says, He knows, he says, God knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as cold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept this way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So in answering the Bible question, what is your life? Rick Warren goes beyond what Apostle James says. He says, life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. Thus, Job viewed his ordeals and the trials that he was experiencing as a test. And he said, when God has finished testing me, I shall come forth as gold. Say this with me. I may have lost a loved one, a spouse, a relationship, a business, a job, or even a ministry. But I won't despair. I'll rise up in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This came to pass at the end of the job account. His faith welled up, rose up, and God came and restored his health. Remember, this man's health has so deteriorated that he himself says the only skin that he had was the gum of his teeth. Everything else about him was mad, mad and unrecognizable. But God came and gave him the skin of a baby and restored everything twofold. Let me just bring an illustration. In the year 2000, 230 years ago, I happened to be in a Norwegian city called Venezuela, south of Norway. And in that conference, there was a renowned American Assemblies of God preacher. He is going to be with the Lord. His name is David Cartledge. And when the altar, the prayer altar time was, I, I, went to the, I went for it to be prayed over. Then he asked me, where do you come from? I said, I come from Uganda. He said, as I'm praying for you, I was with my wife. One word keeps coming, keeps coming. And the word that keeps coming is welfare, welfare, welfare. Then I, I just told him, yes, just pray for me. He prayed for me. And that was what was going on with me. I know I'm called, I have the anointing. And the Lord is with me. But that was an issue. I had just gone through transition in ministry, and I had lost so much. We had lost so much. He prayed for us, and we believed his prayer, but it took seven years from then for things to begin to turn around. That's when we, we got born into the family. Then God began to turn things around because we began to imbibe the word of faith and begin the work of faith. And since then, Things have been turning around. So do not despair due to poverty and loss arise and advance. Let me bring another scenario and the scenario of persecution. In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 46, this is what the word says. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. 
The other one cursed the day, his birthday. This one prayed he should die. And he said, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life for I am better than my father. I'm no better than my father's. This is Elijah. A man that God walked through manifesting himself in signs and wonders. A man who could shake the state. A man who did not have connection with the rulers that were because of what he wanted to gain from the state. But he was there as a prophetic voice. We know that all that God did through Elijah. But he's in a moment when so, so depressed that he says, God, now take my life. Should such a man endowed as Elijah despair of life? Yet he did. Pastors are not exempt. Surveys depict pastoring as one of the highest pressure jobs. And many pastors, all their children have despaired and even committed suicide in our day. In postmodern times. Not yesterday, postmodern times. And the scope of this message does not allow me to begin to sample uh, some of them that we know. But that's the reality of life today. So what happened to Elijah can happen to us if we do not apply the word and walk by faith looking unto the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's also the commissioner of our ministry. Elijah despaired of life due to the relentless persecution. We have received from Apostle Theo the bleakness of our moment and how even if you don't experience it to the degree that certain, uh, certain pictures in the Bible tend to show, there are other people in the rest in parts of the world that are experiencing it so severely and even laying down their lives for the Lord. But it's not any better for us. We've received a, pre a prediction that probably in the next two years, things will get so bad. Elijah, despaired of life because of relentless pursuit, and he prayed that he should die. Was this a prayer according to the will of God? 1 John 5, 14 says that if we pray according to the will of God, then we are confident that God hears us. Certainly we know he wasn't praying according to the will of God. And that's why we say there's no need to despair because of your calling. Time to believe the Lord and move forward. Can you say again with me that even when hostile forces seem to be winning against me, they are not at all. Elijah thought that Jezebel was winning against him, but she wasn't at all. He came to a point he thought he was the only one remaining that was faithful to God. But he was corrected that there are other 7,000 invisible to you, but invisible to God. We just got a message through one of the servants of the Lord speaking here that you are not alone. Even if the persecutor's powers seemed intractable, it was actually on the wane. There was more to the eye than Elijah could see. Elijah didn't have to die then. After receiving the Rema word, as contrasted with the Logos, his faith revived and he embarked on the last leg of his ministry 
before he departed into glory. He lived to prepare a successor, so his calling was perpetuated and his legacy endured. Can you say with me, I will live to prepare a successor, somebody that does what I do, and my legacy will endure. It is wise to install a successor while alive so that there is no succession stampede after a great leader lives for eternity. Why would you even want to die before you have prepared someone to carry on with your call? Elijah came out of despair, so you too, I, must come out of every despair for whatever reason and whatever cause. Still on the scenario of persecution, I will briefly talk about uh, the, another servant of the Lord, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, I'll not make mention of him, nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. This Jeremiah, he also wished he should die. Do not despair, therefore, due to the indwelling feelings, you relive your faith in the word. Relive your faith in the word. Dr. Theo teaches us to, re to recharge our faith through praying in tongues. And therefore, you stay put and advance. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Look at somebody like Jeremiah. You understand how he comes into this. God, when God calls him, he promises him a very lofty picture of who he has to be. That he will uproot not villages or small people but nations and replant them again. And he has that big picture. And then he's here looking like a weak person, a weak man, persecuted, battered, beaten. And he looks like he's insignificant. He's in prison in and out. He's a man of sorrows prefiguring Christ. And that's why he feels he's finished. In verse 14, he says, Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father saying a male child has been born to you. Making him, him very glad. Please do not despair of life. Burnout is not something to talk about proudly. Because we have resources in God to keep us burning. Not burning out. I want to bring the second last scenario. And it's prejudice. Pride and prejudice. Let's take it from Jonah, chapter 4, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind 
and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live. So these are very distinguished ministers of God, but they are coming into this situation. Jonah's predicament ensued out of pride and prejudice. He felt that the cruel Assyrians didn't deserve divine mercy. Archaeological reliefs depict the Assyrian kings as overly brutal and atrocious in the treatment of POWs. They tortured them. They, they impaled them. And they flayed them, skinning them. So cruel. And Jonah knew who these guys were. He wondered how they too could be candidates of God's mercy. And so he was reluctant, actually defiant about going there. And, and because of that prejudice, he comes with a situation where he's praying to God that God should kill him. Why? Because he has gone anywhere and preached. And he's expecting God to mete out the judgment that he had pronounced. But somehow, God has mercy on this great city, the great city of Nineveh, which is a monster today in modern Iraq. So he, he, he feels God should have killed them. He felt they should not live at all. Pride and prejudice says, my culture is better. My tribe is better. My country is better. My race is better. My fraternity are better. My generation is better. My gender is better. My class is better, etc. That's pride and prejudice. Jonah despires not because he has failed in his mission. In fact, he has succeeded a lot. But the success he has attained is corrupted by his prejudicial predisposition. And so he wishes to die because God has refused to kill people he thinks should die. Can you say this with me again? To overcome prejudice, you decide to see things the way God sees them. See nations, see races, see tribes, genders, fraternities, generations, classes, as God sees them. We continue. This way, I won't despair when ministering even to the most obnoxious of cultures as long as I know the Lord has called me to them. There's a lady here, Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot. They were called and they went to the country of Latin America called Ecuador. And when they were there, you know, these people had love for this, uh, these people that were hidden then. I don't know now. But uh, in spite of that overwhelming love that Jim Elliot had for these people, the very people speared him to death. So if you are his wife, Elizabeth, what do you do? You pack up your bags and go never to return again. But she actually, after mourning the husband, she went back as a missionary, and I think she was involved in the Bible translations, to win those people to the Lord. Prejudice has no place in advance. So finally, I will generalize as problems as the last scenario. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. 
For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We don't want you to be ignorant. It's so amazing when you see men of God, accomplished men of God, women of God, even our spiritual father, Apostle Theo, illustrating some of the messages with their personal experiences, with their family. It's biblical. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the trials that we have gone through. He will say that and show you how he got the victory. He says in verse 9, we had a sentence of death in ourselves that we do not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And he says, God who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that we will, that he will deliver us. So even Paul and team despaired of life because of the problems they were facing, the hardships, the afflictions, the suffering, depending on the translation you choose to use. When it occurs to you, trust not in yourself, but in God who raises the dead. Elizabeth Elliot said this, quote, fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us, unquote. God will deliver from the greatest of troubles. He will continue also to deliver. There is always more in Jesus. Remember, there are many saints who know about your situation. They are also praying for you. No despair due to the problems you are going through. Do not stoop. Rise up and advance. I think I just want to say this as I conclude. All the scenarios cited above involved people like you, like me. The rigors of ministry got them to think they should not just quit but actually die they turned to the world sorry they turned to the word of the Lord and so didn't die before finishing their God ordained tasks nor should you David said in Psalm 118 I just would like us to stand up and read it together Psalm 118 verse 17 Three to one, could we read it together? I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Olmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.